Support for this episode of This Changes Everything is provided by Primera Blue Cross. We have now surpassed China. We now have the greatest number of confirmed coronavirus cases on Earth. Hospitals overwhelmed. The state thinks it could get tens of thousands more cases of coronavirus. I've got people worried about the possibility of a second wave. So I think pretty much everyone with access to the internet these days feels just a little bit crazy sometimes. He said the U.S. trajectory right now most closely resembles Italy. Because regardless of the level of direct impact any of us are feeling from the virus itself, we are all drowning in information about it. He passed away in his home this week just a few days after feeling symptoms. Trying to keep up with it all. Moments ago, the president made a critical promise of major financial help. Just the crazy amounts of information flying at us every second from every news outlet and every friend and family member and every tweet and every Facebook post and all those websites tracking all the numbers of cases and deaths climbing and climbing and climbing. Our country has reached another grim milestone. Let's take a look at the curve now because all around the world, people are looking at their own country. But what you believe, of course, can depend a lot on what you already believed. As the coronavirus spreads across the world, misinformation about the virus is being shared online. So I'm not negating that people are dying from the coronavirus. We're not, we're not saying that. We're just saying that the thing is blown totally way out of proportion. Uh, but uh, we have it so well under control. I mean, view this the same as the flu, when somebody sneezes. I Some mean, of the misinformation on Facebook, and of course it's not just Facebook, is, is shocking whether it is fake cures or, or that the coronavirus is a media-inspired fantasy. Of course, in times of crisis, there are always people who try to capitalize on the situation, like the man who told us 2.4 million followers on Instagram that he had a cure for coronavirus. Um, strategic agenda behind eroding trust in liberal democracy as such, sowing confusion. Well, maybe we'd be just better off if we gave it to everybody. There are more rumors going around on social media about how to avoid the coronavirus. I don't understand how anyone even falls for any of that. None of those things gets rid of the coronavirus. Right? Bleach gets rid of stains. You can't drink it. It's not gonna help you. Garlic gets rid of vampires, okay? <laughs> Cocaine gets rid of your money. That's it. <laughs> Is this working? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Let me just leave a note that I'm uh, recording to people. Yeah. Do not disturb. So this is Mo. My name is Mohammed Kloob. Uh, most people call me Mo. And he's the audience engagement editor at CrossCut. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're cool. off the hook for a little while. Yeah. And yeah. an audience engagement editor is someone who is almost by definition online a lot. Um, I'm just trying to turn off as many notifications as possible. <laughs> for your job and also maybe for your life, do you find yourself spending more time online or or less now? If if you look on uh, on my Slack, uh, so Slack is our is our newsroom messaging tool, and you can set a little status, a little descriptor of your job, and mine just says terminally online. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I I struggle uh, to to be offline. Um, and, and I really admire people who in 2020 still manage to, to be offline. Um, I would like to be more offline, and I, I've mentioned this. I think the times when I am able to disconnect, they make me uh, a better friend, a better employee, uh, a better boyfriend, a better family member. Like, uh, because, but, but it, you know, the nature of my job of having to be online um, 
at least eight hours of, of the day, uh, they make it hard to, like, you develop habits. But it's not all bad. For me, I really enjoy Twitter. Um, I Like, I use Twitter for sports. I use Twitter for jokes. Um, oh, wait. Maybe it is. And it's hard when this is on everyone's mind. Like, it doesn't feel like you can even, like, escape. I mean, one of the first things to go um, in in this outbreak was uh, basketball, sports. <laughs> right. And he has just tweeted within the past two minutes that the NBA is suspending the season. Yeah, like, right. what does sports Twitter do without sports? They're eating each other alive. <laughs> So there are a lot of things changing right now. And of course, one of those things is the spread of information. Okay, it's not all that different in some ways, but it's so different in others. The stakes, at the very least, are much higher. One of the biggest differences Mo says he's been seeing so far in his work at Crosscut is that a lot more people are reaching out, asking a lot more questions. You know, we're hearing a lot more from readers. That's that's also one, one significant thing that's changed is that, you know, uh, we're getting just a lot of questions and uh, people people want answers and, and people want uh, people need journalism in this time, I think. I'm Sarah Bernard, and this is This Changes Everything, a podcast from Crosscut about the new normal. So it's not like fake news, conspiracy theories, or the incredible power of social media haven't been a big part of our lives for the past few years. But now there are ways that these phenomena are taking on a new role. First of all, we're all even hungrier for information than ever before. And secondly, when something is false or biased but sold as truth, it can have a real-world impact in a whole new way. Fake cures for COVID-19, for instance, or downplaying the importance of staying home and social distancing right now. It's not an exaggeration to say that these things can actually kill people. An Arizona man has died after he took chloroquine phosphate because he believed that it would protect him from the coronavirus. In this episode, I sit down with Mo Klub to get a sense of how he's thinking about all of this as a journalist and as a person who spends so much time online watching all of it unfold. Okay, back to Mo. I know that part of your job is um, to share what Crosscut is doing, but it's also to kind of monitor how the audience is feeling. And, and you know, is there anything that kind of sticks out to you as a trend in what people are asking or saying? You know, something that we're, we're personally seeing from from uh, our Northwest Wonders program that has, uh, you know, readers submit questions to us uh, is a lot of just personal worry. You know, like people are, people are scared. People, this is this is impacting their lives um, from their ability to make money to their ability to see loved ones to, uh, I mean, you name it. And uh, in the past, for when we receive questions from people about about the community, it's a it's about you know like a specific topic, and it might apply more broadly, right? Like I want to know um, this issue about homelessness, right, and how it's affecting our community. I want to know this issue about this funding the city is doing. Um, I I will say in the last just like two weeks alone, I've been seeing a lot more just like personal questions. People are like, like I am immunocompromised. Here are the specific details of my situation. Uh, what can be done for someone like me right now? Um, and, and so the questions are getting more personal because, I mean, because people want answers. And I, and I don't know if they're if they're getting them. 
uh, and, and to their credit, you know, like Washington State and and uh, states across the country are doing what they can for, uh, and I'm, I know there's help coming, you know, federally, but uh, yeah, people people are worried. And and yeah, the trend of people people uh, caring about misinformation and trying to sort out fact from fiction, uh, and maybe needing guidance on how to on how to do that. Yeah, it's like information that is accurate is really important. Always has been, obviously, obviously. But at the same time, there's this new layer to the sort of importance of getting accurate information quickly, and that leads to a lot of panic and sort of manic. <laughs> Is there anything that you're kind of observing now about the importance of facts, I guess? I think personally, you know, we've been living in a time when for for the last few years when uh, facts are up for debate suddenly, which they should not be. Um, And I guess it it depends on who you talk to. But um, I think even for people who haven't really been thinking about misinformation or or trustworthy news sources or. Uh, even just like trustworthy like people in your lives like who are sharing things on Facebook and um, I think it's forcing even people who haven't had to to think about that to to do so now because uh, they're in their homes they're worried that they either are going to contract this virus or someone they know is or they're worried about their livelihood uh, due to the, all the the shutdowns from the virus um, this tweet uh, and I'll read it to you here but I think it brings up uh the the problem of okay even if you have a bunch of facts in front of you which fact matters more than the other fact right yeah uh, even if that's in front of you so this person this just a random person on twitter that people were um this has got retweeted like eleven thousand times but this person said uh this coronavirus has killed 85 people in america the swine flu killed over fifteen thousand, and we didn't go this crazy the media is feeding you all lies and you are oblivious Just to jump in and fact check a bit here. This tweet was written in the morning of March 17th, and the official death count from coronavirus in the U.S. at the end of the day on March 16th was 88. By March 17th, though, it was 108. And the swine flu killed 12,469 people in the U.S., according to the CDC, not over 15,000. And of course, the numbers of coronavirus cases and deaths right now are so much higher than they were on March 17th so much higher. And they're probably going to get way higher than even the number I'm interjecting with right now by the time you're hearing this. But as of April 9th, there are more than 456,000 coronavirus cases in the U.S. alone and over 16,000 deaths. Official estimates now suggest that the U.S. will see at least 60,000 deaths from the virus over the next few months. So, I mean, you're you're getting a lot of, a lot of, uh, takes i mean we live in the time at least on twitter of the hot take um yep so but you know how how are health experts supposed to be like okay like it doesn't matter that it's only killed 85 people like it matters because you're asymptomatic and you're spreading it and you're going to kill more people um i I don't know when when facts start to compete with each other you know it's not even a question of uh of opinion at that point it's it's people putting their faith and putting stock into whichever fact i think best fits their their worldview and it's it's scary and and you know that last line in that tweet about the media feeding you lies i mean you're seeing i think just as many people who are flocking to like news sources to get informed you're seeing just as many people being like oh you can't trust the media and if you are over the mass hysteria if you're over politicizing and weaponizing of the coronavirus you are not alone um and you know that comes from from many different 
uh, many different sources, right? Like media distrust. I'm sure in the end, the mob and the media, well, they will be advancing their new conspiracy theory and their newest hoax. On top of the worries and the fears that people have right now, it's just a, a general air of distrust. But but I think a, a, a desire to attach to a source that you can trust. Spread so fast. Text, yeah. email, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, it's, it's everywhere. And you got to really stay focused on what's true. And you can get uh, updates that, that are valuable to you and, and your situation. So much fear and so much anxiety. One thing that's becoming clear right now is that social media companies like Facebook and Twitter are having to confront their own power again. Well, with all the real world impact of what's getting spread on social media, they're doing even more policing than they used to. Facebook is launching a new coronavirus information center. Facebook's founder pledged to act. We're responding to this with all hands on deck. We are taking down any harmful misinformation on the coronavirus. Which in some ways is a whole other conversation. I feel like there's something about this moment that sort of brings into relief certain things that we were already experiencing. Um, there's this kind of pressure that Twitter and Facebook, for example, are now feeling that's like, you know, a, a continuation of the conversation about what role do social media companies play in the spread of misinformation. And now... Um, I wonder, I don't know, does this feel like a new moment for social media in some way? To, to me, it, it is, a, and maybe this is because I'm someone who pays, I mean, as a journalist, pays too much attention to the news. But to me, it seems like the natural evolution and the natural next step in a discussion, you know, that was about misinformation. And, you know, I mean, like, it wasn't, it was only in the last two years that Zuckerberg had to testify in front of Congress um, and in Europe as well. And. Um, about misinformation and it seemed like for a second there there was like a, a new article every day about uh, a Facebook scandal and I mean even recently with the virus uh, the other day they were uh, people there were a lot of a lot of tw tweets and uh, just a lot of people even on Facebook saying hey I like shared this thing and it got taken down and I don't know why um, and it was I saw journalists sharing that as well um, like I shared a a link to my local like newspaper, like the Dallas Morning News was one I saw and it got taken down and there's no clarity about why. Mm. Um, and for people who don't care about, uh, you know, if you're able to detach yourself from politics normally, like, and you don't care about what posts they're taking down or how trustworthy their business practices are, uh, now it, it hits home, right? Because you're trying to find, now you have to care about the pandemic because there's no way it's not affecting you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do, th I do think the discussion now around social media trustworthiness uh, is one more people want to, like, partake in. Um, mm -hmm. And whether that's, like, you know, personally, whether that's talking about uh, talking to your family members who are sharing crazy, like, conspiracy theories or, um, like, why aren't those being taken down? And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, what it, what is allowed on there? Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's not going to slow down anytime soon. Uh, you know, it used to be that there was information out there and then misinformation comes pouring in and now it feels like they're being created in real time together for every yeah, right. piece of information. <laughs> There's someone else being like, actually, like, here's what I heard. And exactly. uh, like, how, how do you how do you check that? Even like uh, someone I know, like a friend was posting, uh, was trying to correct misinformation on just like family and friends Facebook posts, right? And whoever was the original poster was, like, deleting their comments instead of, like, allowing a dialogue. And it's 
that, that's crazy, you know? Like, before it was, like, whoever you subscribed to was, like, creating, uh, uh, whatever you follow is creating your own personal echo chamber, right? Um, whether you knew it or not. And I think it, it has evolved to the point where people know it and are encouraging it and are, like, helping build the, the echo chamber walls around themselves. We'll get back to my conversation with Mo in just a bit. But first, a message from our sponsor, Primera Blue Cross. Primera Blue Cross was founded in Washington State. With offices in the Puget Sound area and Spokane, they know the profound impact the COVID-19 outbreak has had and will continue to have on our local communities. They joined the region's major employers who made the early decision to send employees home and help protect vulnerable family members, friends, and neighbors. The Primera team is in your corner and doing what they can to help during this health crisis. That includes covering COVID-19 tests and related office visits without out-of-pocket costs for most plan members. And they're working with the federal government toward free testing for all, regardless of health coverage. Primera has expanded virtual care options, too, so people in Washington can get their symptoms checked by a doctor without leaving their home or receive ongoing care, like mental health therapy. Primera is offering early prescription refills to make sure members have the medications they need at the ready. Mail order and 90-day refills are also available. Ask your pharmacist if you want to know more about your options. Primera continues to actively monitor the situation to find more ways they can help to stop the spread of COVID-19 and get treatment to those affected. Learn more about how your care is covered at Primera.com. So given what we've all observed about the vast political divides facing this country over the past few years, especially, there is this question as to whether now it's any different. One key example, of course, is that President Trump and some of his supporters initially downplayed the severity of the crisis, suggesting that all the fear and concern was a democratic plot to make the president look bad. We're going to call out anyone and everyone who's using this virus as a political weapon against the president. The Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. And this is their new hoax. Um, And I don't know if you've been sort of watching this stuff online a little bit more closely than I, but has there been a shift at all in the the culture war, if you will, in the United States that you've observed? Sure. Uh, I will say the Washington Post's video team did a great thing on this. Um... Were about how Fox News's perceptions changed in the span of a week. So <laughs> if you look at the the beginning of the week uh, video segments in that, it's all, yeah, it's like this is a hoax, this is made up, we're exaggerating, uh, this is like sad, like this is just inflaming the culture wars. And then a week later, it's like, oh my God, we need to take this seriously and it's it's affecting everyone, it's affecting business, it's affecting people. How do we stop this? And I mean, it's just, it's really funny to watch. Um, but what you hope is that when publications are calling legitimate things hoaxes um, or spreading misinformation like that, that once they backpedal, you would hope people lose trust in them and call them out on it. But, and I would have to like see actual numbers on this. Did, Fox News lose any viewers or any trust because in the span of a week, I mean, there's so many news stories. Does anyone even remember that they were 
calling it a hoax and you know people have people have turned this into a um a freedom thing when it's like no one is it's not a freedom issue people are asking you to do this in service of your community because the most vulnerable among us uh if they come into contact with you like it's it's more of a problem for them than it is for you even if you feel healthy like we know you can be asymptomatic and be spreading it um so it, it's just an ask of like you know what what does it really mean to to live in a community and what do we owe each other and uh, to turn it into an issue of like well i'm not gonna do that because like someone is demanding that of me is just seems irresponsible um you know personally i think um and i it doesn't it's just like is if a global pandemic can't bring us together you know what what issue would bridge like the polarities that have like developed mm-hmm. in society over the last like 10 years yeah it, it's it really is this question of okay if this can't bring us together what actually can like what actually can i, I mean it feels like nothing can yeah and and there's there has been a lot of good humor around this virus because i i strongly believe comedy is a is a big way people cope uh, and and I saw uh, just a funny tweet that was like, you know, this response to the virus lets me know that if aliens invaded the Earth, the first thing we would do is slash interest rates. But <laughs> and, and, you know, people love floating that as like, oh, what would happen if like aliens attack the Earth? Like that would bring us together. Would it like <laughs> right? <laughs> if aliens attack the Earth, there would be a lot more asked of you than sitting on your couch to keep everyone safe. Yeah, I I truly don't know like what what if anything can bridge the divides other than I mean, this is why I am a journalist, right, is I think storytelling that connects with people and changes hearts and minds and and allows you to feel closer to your community uh, is is a powerful thing that creates incremental change. Mm -hmm. Um, But but any hopes of solving like deep divisions immediately uh, seem naive at this point. And, and, you know, it's a luxury to be able to sit here and talk about this because there's yeah. people, there's people and people like loved ones close to me who are worried about making rent, uh, keeping their children fed, uh, things that, that go beyond like mis- misinformation is something that applies to them, but it's not like they're labeling it that and being like, like, uh, I am being lied to. It's like, no, I need to be able to trust something like quickly so I can make decisions that affect my livelihood. And, um, yeah, I, I trust. Trust, uh, I think, is not something people actively think about. But uh, when you get a situation like this virus, this pandemic spreading, that's when the fault lines in where trust doesn't exist begin to really show themselves uh, even more than they usually do. So back at Crosscut, this local newsroom in Seattle, readers are still turning to us for information. For answers. This is the time, I think, when when you need to rely on local institutions. So yeah, we have we have seen more more uh, you know expressions of gratitude and and more uh, desire to connect. And, and even that, you know, I'm thankful for that that we are getting this um, this this outpour of, of people wanting us to help them navigate uh, this uncertain crisis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, has has there been any shift in? I don't know, like the trolls or, or the criticism also? Just curious. The the thing about trolls is, you know, they are <laughs> like the... What cockroaches are to like nuclear apocalypse, uh, <laughs> trolls right. are to anything that is sweeping the internet, right? Right. No matter what, no matter what, they will they will be there, right? And they will be there to disparage and to, and to nitpick and to, um, and to engage in bad faith. Um, mm-hmm. But... 
you know, just as much as they're there, you know, we hope the people who are engaging in good faith stick around just as long, you know? So, yeah, I try not to not to give too much attention to the trolls, um, mm-hmm. but they're they're still there. Bless them. I hope they're self-isolating and, and staying safe. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think we're still in the middle of this. We'll see if the crisis escalates to a point where there is some lessening of the divides, where there's more of a collective turning to the same sources of truth. But in some ways, it just feels like the genie is out of the bottle when it comes to truth and perception and the internet. And it takes a global crisis to help us see just how bad it's gotten. But you know, there is a bright side. We have a lot of access to information, but it shouldn't all be negative. Um, we have more access to, to positive things than ever before, too. Um, and I know I struggle yeah. to remember that, uh, but but I encourage I encourage everyone to keep reminding themselves that. Thanks for listening to This Changes Everything. This episode was produced by me, Sarah Bernard, and the story editor was Mark Baumgarten. Engineering assistance from Resty Bacall. Our cover art is by Greg Cohen. A huge thanks this week to Mo Klub, who works so hard to make sure people see the work that the Crosscut Newsroom is doing and to help answer as many questions as he possibly can. You can read all of Crosscut's coverage of the coronavirus at crosscut.com coronavirus. Oh, and Mo has another message for you all. I mean, obviously, we were talking so much about how online I am. Uh, please follow me on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, make 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 my uh, my addiction to the internet worth it um, and, and say hi. No, he's not kidding. You can follow Mo and say hi on Twitter at less is Mo. That's all one word. Less is Mo. And Mo is spelled M-O-H. You can subscribe to This Changes Everything on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please do leave that review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. For more on This Changes Everything and other Crosscut podcasts, go to crosscut.com slash podcasts. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. This Changes Everything is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.